Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am once again honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. The Business Creators Radio Show takes you to those places where you have those mastermind meetings, those aha moments that can change your trajectory or at least bring you a little bit closer to serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. As I come to you today, I'm sitting out on my balcony here in sumptuous Las Vegas, known to some as the hottest city in America, and we are going to have a conversation that basically fuels my reason for existing. I became a full-time entrepreneur in September of 2005. That's right. We're closing in on the 18-year anniversary of me escaping. And I will tell you that for all the things that have kept me going through the roller coaster ride that is entrepreneurship, particularly uh, when it's home-based, laptop-based, uh, however you do it, that doesn't involve going to an office and working for another company, that what sustains me is knowing that there has to be an option that keeps me away from being stuck in a cubicle waiting for a bi-weekly deposit into my checking account. I would rather explain to new landlords that I don't have pay stubs than deal with pay stubs. So today we're going to be discussing from zero to 100K home business. I think this is fantastic. Whether you are looking to build a side hustle, whether you are in a place of transition and thinking that your next step is going to be striking out on your own, or maybe you already have a home business and would like to create a new stream of revenue and would like to do that with a blank slate. If these categories fit you in some way or in some other manner this resonates with you, then you're going to enjoy hearing from today's guest, Michelle Hahn. She is the founder of MomBoss Academy and author of The Chill Mom, host of the Chill Mom Boss Show podcast, entrepreneur, speaker, and mother of three young children who lives in Malaysia, and as she told me in the green room just a moment ago, spends a fair amount of time in Singapore. So we've now added two countries to our listing of very interesting places our guests have dialed in from over the years. Very exciting stuff. Now, there's more to this story, but I'm going to let Michelle tell it herself. Michelle Hahn, come in, the weather's fine. Hello. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hello, Adam. All right. So before we dive in, and you gave us some uh, some points you want us to cover in the green room, we're going to get through those. And we may have some other questions as well, because this is something that I could go on about for hours. Uh, what we want to do is I read off a piece of your bio. Very impressive. Not sure I'm worthy to be in your presence. And this is my show. But there's more to the story that I left off that I'm going to have you tell us. So before we dive in, Tell us a bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. 
Oh, thank you for that question, Adam. Thank you for giving me the airtime to share about my journey. So sure. how I really started this entire online business journey is that um, in 2012, I found myself in a foreign country with no family support. Um, with my newborn baby, Lauren, my first one, she's about to turn 11 this year. And um, yeah, I, I had to quit my soup and salad bar business to be a stay-at-home mom because I could not bear leaving my child in a baby care center in the care of a stranger. And so I was like, all right, I'm just going to be the stay-at-home mom. But then six months into this whole stay-at-home mom gig, I realized I was feeling restless. I was feeling insecure because I was relying on my husband financially 100%. And I was just thinking, hmm, how can I earn an income from home? And with no prior experience, with no connection, no money, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to learn how to start a blog, start really easy. Started a blog, soon turned the blog into a maternity concierge business uh -huh. where I help expecting parents plan the arrival of the babies. My knowledge didn't change then. I was blogging about pregnancy and early motherhood, pretty much what I was going through anyway. So I took the same knowledge, turned it into a concierge business. And around that time, you know, the blog and people were reading my blog were going, Michelle, I follow you since you were this stay-at-home mom and suddenly you're blogging about business. What's going on? Can you teach us? And that's how Mom Boss Academy is born. Oh, well, hey, uh, I and I love how you did that with a pretty simple, low overhead approach. That's a concern of a lot of our listeners have is I want to start a new business, but what about startup capital? And even if they're not going through the venture capital version of launching a venture, it does take money to get off the ground. And what I'm hearing is, is that you, and correct me if I'm mistaken here, is you're able to do this without a lot of upfront investment? No, pretty much for free. <laughs> I was such a tired ass that I started my blog on blogspot.com. It's absolutely free. So all I had was wow. a laptop I didn't know that I didn't know that I didn't know that blogspot still existed. I don't know. I'm not sure actually. I, I mean I, I think I think it still I, I think it still does, but I haven't seen anybody actually use it, it in a Probably, long time yeah. a, a long time unless they're working with an SEO company that builds like 30 different keyworded uh, blog spot pages with the idea of putting one article on each and pointing it back to the website. That's the only time I really see it anymore. So yeah, you really did go to the very bottom, even considering within the time frame you mentioned that uh, WordPress.com, which is where they hosted for you, already existed. Yep, 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 exactly. But no, yeah. I, I wasn't sure if it's going to work. So I'm just going to like, okay, just give this a go. I knew nothing about blogging. I knew nothing about studying and uh, about writing at all. I'm from Malaysia. So English is my third language. And my husband uh -huh. was still making fun of me at that time. I said, I was, uh, I'm going to start a blog. And he was like, you, when was the last time you ever wrote anything substantial? And I was, I'm, I'm still butchering my grammar to these days. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, we have somebody who works with us um, who's based in Paraguay who uh, writes English but doesn't speak it very well. So I know that uh, what's really great about the global economy such as it is, is without necessarily having to acquire linguistic skills, you can enter new markets. And if you need a shortcut to do that, the translators are pretty good at this point. Absolutely. That's a good idea. 
yeah so uh i mean like uh i mean like i myself i can if i'm reading spanish i can based on what passes for second language education in the United States, and believe me, I'm very down on it, because uh, I took uh, a grand total of five years of Spanish as part of my compulsory education, and in the end, I uh, learned how to call somebody a puta. I mean, that's about all I ever got <laughs> out of it. So uh, <laughs> some things are universal. You're halfway around the world, and you laugh because you know what that means. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but uh so if i read it sometimes i can figure out enough of the words that i can guesstimate what they're saying but mm -hmm. uh, as far as like uh, i live in las vegas so we have a very significant spanish-speaking population in fact my neighbors um uh right across the way here sit on their balcony sometimes and uh they mm -hmm. speak spanish as their day-to-day -day language i couldn't make out a word of what they said as long as it as long as it doesn't sound like fuck that gringo we'll play our music as loud as we want i'm cool with it <laughs> <laughs> so uh but no 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 I, I live in a community full of nice people uh but, but the point i'm bringing up by that is that um language barriers go back to the whole tower of babel thing and i think what i want to surface that i wasn't even expecting in this conversation is that language is not the barrier that it used to be. I mean, you're in Malaysia yeah. and Singapore where yeah, a lot of people speak English, granted, but it's not your first language. It's in fact your third mm -hmm. language and you speak it very well. Uh, oh, I mean, I mean, I can tell there's a dialect difference because uh, you <laughs> learned it differently than I did, but I can converse with you. And uh, for our listeners, that means that if you have the opportunity to capture a market that might speak a language different than you, there's ways of achieving that. Absolutely. And with internet today, it's amazing how I'm speaking with you right now, halfway across the world. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, I, I mean, if, if time comes up, I'll, uh, if we have time for this, I might expound a little bit on a conversation I had on another one of my shows about how um, globalism is actually the key to nationalism, but uh, that may or may not fit. But for now, what I'm re really curious about is other than what you just shared, uh, being the mother of a newborn, the language barrier, all the other things have come up. What are some of the other challenges you faced in starting your home business from scratch? And uh, second part of that question is, how did you overcome them to reach that $100,000 in revenue? That's a pretty significant milestone for starting with nothing and investing little. Hmm. Um, personally, for me, it took me about two years to get to $100,000. Today, we're running at half a million dollars. Um. With a lot of the women I coach and myself initially was that self-doubt. Am I able to do it? The second thing was obviously time because we are balancing time with our family and trying to do this, trying to make this a success. But I still see that it, this is a better option if for a woman especially because I think that Every woman at certain point, whenever, you know, at a point where you decide to have children, you have to choose between your career or your, your family, your, your children at home. So I think it's still the best option. This is like a third better option for me personally that I'm able to do um, a business from home. And while, yeah, time is scarce, it's still very doable. How I figure out that... Um, time is no longer a challenge was that in 2016, I found myself with dengue and dengue is a, a, um, is a illness that you get from the mosquito called 
edits and it's only um it, it only exists in tropical countries yeah and so i had that and pretty much when you have dengue you are out you're you have no energy, you are bedridden for weeks. And even when you recover, you lose a lot of muscle. You take about two to three months to gain your strength back. On top of that, I also found out that I was pregnant uh, while I was getting the dengue diagnosis because they take your blood to, um, to, uh, to test. So pretty much that entire year, I was out of action. I, I didn't work as hard as I could have on my business. But surprisingly, at the end of that financial year, I found that our profits were up, our revenue were up. And I was thinking, what, what's going on? And I realized what happened was the year before, even though I felt like I was giving my 100% and every free time I had was like, you know, what, 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 I was doing all the busy work. So really, we a lot of people feel like, oh, I don't have the time, right? That, that's one of the number one excuse that I get from people. Oh, I don't have the time to start a side hustle. I really want it, but I don't have the time. But really, you don't need a lot of time. If you can just focus two to three hours a day at the very start and just every day, just get the momentum going. Don't think that you do nothing for the rest of the week and then try to spend five hours on it on a Saturday and then not do anything at all, that's how it wouldn't work. So how it worked for me is that I'm really careful and, and, and strategic with how I spend my time on really working on the needle moving thing, the vital things of, of the business. Right. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because one of the things that I say about the uh, and I cover this in my book, Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy. Uh, mm. They say that every cloud has a silver lining. Well, you should invest in the silver because it's a precious metal. So when I look at all this stuff that happened with COVID flying around and everything, one of the silver linings we discovered, and it's we finally made a little bit of headway in our country here that uh, continues in, to too grave an extent to apply the industrial revolution to creative and brain work is that... You can actually do a full, quote unquote, eight hour day in mm -hmm. about two to three hours. Absolutely. Yeah, there was this there was this big concern that uh, for years and years and years. And I remember I ran into some of this when I worked for a company back in the uh, back before 2005 that, uh, oh, well, if we let people work from home, they're going to slack off. They're not going to do our their stuff. We're going to have to check in on them every 15 minutes. And I think what they were afraid of is discovering that people who are dedicated, focused, and care about their work will actually need less than half of that time. And they mm -hmm. had to have been aware of studies that already existed that show that if you have somebody working in an office environment, I mean, here in the United States, uh, you know, you think of the nine to five Monday through Friday. I'm not sure how it is in Malaysia and Singapore, but it's the idea that you spend 40 hours in a, in a workplace and somebody did uh, a study on this and determined that the average knowledge worker in that environment actually spends two hours and 53 minutes per day, two hours and 53 minutes per day on average, uh, engage in tasks that further the company's mission, vision, and goals. The rest of it yep. is spent on pointless meetings, water cooler chat, uh, dealing with bullshit office politics, uh, and staring at your computer screen on Friday afternoon, knowing you're done for the week, but you can't leave till 4.30. <laughs> 
yeah so uh and uh i mean even some of the things that they uh that they were concerned oh we'll lose control over like say for example frontline customer service for let's say for example a web hosting company well one of the the happy discoveries is is for positions like that where you do need somebody actually clocked in and available for an eight-hour stretch for their entire shift it doesn't matter if they're sitting in a cubicle in a tech room or something like that is uh, they have these things called laptops, smartphones, tablets, and things like that, where you can install apps. And as mm-hmm. long as that person is able to um, answer the incoming call, respond to the incoming live chat, uh, deal with the incoming email, do it promptly and competently, that it's the same thing as being in the office. Yeah, absolutely. Myself and my team, we've been quote unquote, working from home even before the pandemic. Yeah. Well, I've been quote unquote doing it since 2005. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah. About 10 years ago, I was involved in a startup uh, for a little while here in Las Vegas. And as part of some deal they made, they acquired office space and they wanted me to go spend time in their office. And I'm thinking I don't really need to for what I do here. And uh, one of the co-founders said, but, but yeah, think about it. You'll be here in the office and, and uh, you'll, you'll have the break room. You can have lunch and you'll have all your coworkers around. And just think anytime you want, you can grab a couple of people and say, hey, let's go in the conference room and have a meeting. And I said, you just explained every single thing that becomes a negative when I rate this against what I leave my cats home alone for this. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think one of the challenges that I see sort of taking what you said and reversing it is that there's this conception that it's not really work unless you go to some place called work and there are and there are also some of the societal impressions that what you're doing is not really work that it's a hobby uh like one other quick story if we move on to your next point because i love this next thing you're going to share with us um I uh when I when I had the side hustle for two years before I got out of my last employer and did it full time, I still lived in my parents' house, not because I was incapable of moving out, but because rather than shovel money into rent, I wanted to put every dime of it into a combination of reinvesting into the business to get it going faster and also paying off a lot of little debts so that when I did go full-time with the company and I expected to not have a whole lot of income for a while, wouldn't have a lot of bills either. Mm-hmm. So I was strategic about it, but I can tell you once I, uh, once I went full-time, I was out of their house in 45 days and uh, I, can, I can give you the exact reason why. Uh, my cell phone clip that held it to my belt back when we used to do that stuff broke and my mother well-meaning offered to buy it for me. And she said, well, you're not really working. And it's the best I can, it's, it's the least I can do for you. So what do you mean not really working? <laughs> why, 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 why? Because if you, why? I sit up in that little room that's, uh, that's off my bedroom that I use as an office, uh, that doesn't mean I'm working. I'm pretty sure I'm working. Uh, so we deal with that impression as well, that we're hobbyists, that what we do is not really serious, and that uh, stacked up against some corporate entity, we're just pikers. And I yeah. find that very much to not be the case. So with many people who dream of starting their own home business, they struggle to take the first step. And first of all, I want you to tell me what the first step is, and then tell me what advice you give to somebody who wants to start from zero. Right. 
I think um, it's interesting how you brought up how initially people think that what you were doing is just a hobby just because you are doing it from home. Yeah. And um, I still remember when I first started and people would be like, oh, that's so cute. You're starting a blog. (laughs) But I was like dead on that I am going to make money out of this. This is not a hobby. If I want to do a hobby, I'll I'll do something fun. (laughs) Right. yeah. So anyway, I um. So um. Uh, but funny thing is, like you know, all those people who are like, ah, oh, that's so cute. You're starting a blog, and so today they they they're meeting me and I'm like, wow, look what you've done. I wish I could have done the same. And blah 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 blah. Uh-huh. Right. But people, that's here's the thing. I think when you first get started, people don't see your vision, especially people who are close to us. And I think that you need to first believe in yourself. And I find that especially the women whom I coach, they like to use words like, this is my um, passion project. I'm just doing this on the side. And that's basically you having one foot in and one foot out. You're so afraid of failure. So that just that, you know, in case this doesn't work out, you can tell yourself or people around you that oh, it's just a passion project. So first of all, you need to, I think the first step, right? First step is to take yourself seriously, know where you want to get to, where is the destination, and then you formulate your steps. So to there, there is actually like five main things that I think you like, or, or anyone who wants to start a business should know. Um, Number one is define your business idea. And a lot of people think that you need to have that one passion, that one amazing idea that's going to change the world. You don't have to. So what we did um, is that we teach people how to come up with plenty of ideas and then validate it. The key is in that validation. No, No ideas is so unique that... It's going to change the world, right? Whatever you thought of, probably someone would have thought of it. It's just more yeah. of like bring it to the market and see what is the feedback, right? Determine what your customer's problem are. Step two. Step three is um, find out yourself, right? And a lot of time they get to this point where they doubt themselves. Oh, who am I to solve this problem? Who am I to uh-huh. solve this problem? So step three is list out all your qualifications, no matter how trivial they might be or unorthodox that maybe maybe actually and hobby something that you find yourself something that comes naturally to you, and then um yeah number four would be the validation customer um interviews right and then just really identify your lead customer and just pre-launch the thing. What I mean by pre-launch is just try to sell even before you've got the product. Yeah. Try to see who would give you money. Because a lot of time people would spend, well, that's the first mistake that I made in my very first business. This is way before I had kids. As I'll spend like, I, I spent six months to a year formulating my perfect business plan only to open shop and business plan goes out the window <laughs> like a week yeah. into it. That, that approach is applicable if you're developing some sort of mass market app or something like that where you need a million dollars in angel investment. But for the rest of us, it's not required. No, absolutely not. Why? Why would you need a $100 investment? Why? Why? And yeah, and I think a lot of people just spend too much time because I guess 
that's the big numbers, right? Those are the names or or, or businesses that is floating around the news because those they have big numbers, they're amazing. But for majority of small businesses, you don't need that much. No, you don't. Um, yeah, and I I mean I think that there is really something something to that. So um, you know. I think that one of the things that comes out here is, again, it's other people's impressions and what the world has been taught. So I'm not going to ask you how old you are, but I'm going to speculate based on your CV (laughs) that uh, you are somewhere um, late Gen X, early millennial. Am I about right? Uh, Yes, correct. Yeah, so am I. So am I. So we're. Okay, so you're, you're, next millennial. I'm not quite sure about what's the bracket there. You're 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 a cusper, just like me. I'm uh, I'm only a couple okay. years older than that. So I'm 46. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so what the point I want to make is, we were the first generation that had consistent access to high speed internet mm-hmm. at the point where the internet became uh, a significant trove of information that could be searched. And what that means is, we were the first generation that was in a position to be able to challenge narratives that have been handed down from generation to generation by pulling up facts, by having the opportunity to explore and being able to access support networks online, what we now today call social media, that our forebears didn't have. So when you made the point about like maybe parents or relatives or friends don't understand what you're doing and they say, isn't that a cute little blog you're doing? It's because they just simply don't have the framework. I mean, you know, you you spoke about the challenges of being a, a, a new mom and having to leave your job because you couldn't physically do it and needing to find a new way of succeeding. Well, I I was sentient at the very tail end of the part of our culture where it was still relatively common to only have one parent working. But by the time I was an adult, both parents worked. So the idea that um, you become a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad, and all you do is care for the kids, um, there are examples of it. But you know what I what what I do see sometimes in couples is if one is not really working, building a business or anything, they're supporting the other while they do it, and then eventually, once that person reaches a certain, uh, you know stake they turn around and support the other like there's somebody i'm thinking of right now um her husband uh focused a lot of his time on raising their kids for a while while she built a multi-million dollar venture now that she's there she's mm-hmm. now turning around and supporting him in his uh in his uh com- in his career as a composer so there's that switch off that happens now in neither case is one think the other is a is a hobbyist and uh and just, you know, but what we see from day to day is until you reach a certain level of affluence, uh, both parents have to work. So yep. what does that mean? So what does that mean for the single mom and then or the single mom or the married mom or dad or what have you? Or it means that you have to find a way to be productive and earn income regardless of your situation. And you don't have necessarily 40 hours a week, eight hours a day to do that. So that's one of the things I love about your model. So just tell us a bit more about what you did to balance family life and business responsibilities while you were working toward this goal, like anything specific that uh, could have um, that uh, could benefit our users. I have a story, too, but I'm going to let you go first. 
Um, balance. I get asked this question a lot. Uh-huh. And to me, I don't believe that it's a real 50-50 balance. Like who say we need to have 50-50 balance, right? What 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 why would 50-50 balance be the perfect balance? Some days it's gonna be 80-20. Some days, you know, 80% work, 20% kids. And some yeah. days you know that your launch is over, you're 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 a bit more chilled and you can spend more time with your kids. So how I like to see of it, like or or see this is more of like work-life integration, just because like you mentioned, right? I'm this day and age we have internet. So we don't we can integrate it together. And I find that my family is a big reason why I do what I do. Yeah. If I don't have my children, I'll probably still be working outside, right? With uh-huh. spending most of my time at work. But I started my business from home is because I want to have time with them. Yeah. And so that's why I include them in my work a lot. They would come with me to any speaking engagement that I would have. And I want them to look up to mommy and and say, oh, you know, if I am going to tell them, hey, if mommy can do it, you can do it too. I should be modeling that behavior. So that's why I take them with me everywhere. And for moms or parents building a business from home, just know that there are different seasons to it. When your kids are younger than like babies and maybe you'll be working during the nap time when yeah. they're a toddler, then they probably need different type of attention. Your, your time, your working time and your, your time spending with spent with them is probably a bit different. Today, all three kids of mine are in primary school. Uh, the oldest one is in middle school. So I do have the morning. So they go to school at 7.30 in the morning. And then I'll go for yoga or something and I'll come home mm-hmm. around 9, 30, 10 and I'll start working until three. That's when they come home. Yeah. So I work for four to five hours during the day when they're at school and when they're home, I spend my time with them. Well, so that's more that's than two. I, that's yeah. more than two hours and 53 minutes. So you're kicking <laughs> that cubicle dweller around the block. Now, my, my next question to you is going to be whether you send your children to a school or you homeschool them and the reason I and uh, you answered do you send them to a school which which is yeah. fine now the reason I wanted to bring that up is uh you know we're seeing more and more uh people recognizing the value of homeschooling and one of the learning curves that comes with that again uh you know people look at us and they say how do you manage to be as successful as an office worker and you only work three hours a day, that can be applied to homeschooling too. If it's actual true homeschooling, how can the children learn as much and how can they uh, keep up the same pace as somebody going to an institutional school when homeschooling only lasts two hours a day? It's simply because of how you rearrange the schedule of it. Um, See, your kids go to a school, and I'm not knocking this. um, I'm just saying it's how it is. They go to a school. They have different class periods where for a strictly defined period of time, they go to one room and they're taught one subject. Then the bell rings and they have five minutes to go get their books in their locker and then go to the next room where they learn the next thing. Well, what homeschooling does is that kid, uh, I'm not sure, you know, what your kids are best at in school, but maybe you, maybe uh, one of your daughters is a math genius. So she doesn't need to sit in the math class for the whole 45 minutes. She could probably Mm -hmm. take a primer and figure it out on her own. Whereas maybe another child of yours uh, isn't naturally 
adapted for math and they actually need that full time but they'll be really good with history and they and they, they can pretty much self-pace on that see the institutional model um puts people in boxes whereas with the homeschooling model you can accommodate for that if you have a if you have a math genius on your hands they don't need to spend a lot of that time on math they'll do the homework easily uh and vice versa with some other subject and i think that's the same with entrepreneurship Yes, yes. I'm totally for homeschooling. It's just that I'm just not the type of mom who could homeschool. I tried. Yeah. I just don't have the patience with my own children. Right. I'm not saying that one approach <laughs> is, di is different, better yeah, or worse yeah. than the other. Exactly. I get you. I got yeah, you. Yeah, I do have a personal opinion on it, which I'm not injecting here because I don't want to take sides on this because there's no need to take sides. It's just a matter yeah. of showing how this model of entrepreneurship can adapt to whatever decision you make in that area. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, what revealed to me uh, the importance of balancing this is another story during that brief period when I was a full-time entrepreneur, but I hadn't gotten my own place yet. And it was about uh, two weeks in, uh, you know, my parents lived right next door to my grandfather. And for the 90th time, he was having problems with his cable remotes. And my mom begged and pleaded with me to go next door and help him with his cable remote. And I said, uh, you remember when I remember how up until two weeks ago, I went to a job for six years. Uh, how many times did Pap have problems with his remote? Oh, constantly. Uh, how did he deal with it then? Well, we would call the cable company and they would show him. Say, well, you can call the cable company and show him this time, too. I got work to do. And uh, that's and that's a line that for some i mean it was easy for me to draw but for some people they really struggle with that for the simple reason that they don't want to be seen as unhelpful or grouchy or anything along those lines all i was saying is you've dealt with the pap can't figure out his remote thing 80 times already you can do it the same way the 81st time you don't need me for this and i don't feel bad that i'm not going to go over and help him because you don't need me to do this you're just trying to prevail upon me mm. And, uh, yep. and, uh, you know, within your, you know, within your, within your group of the, uh, the mom boss Academy, uh, do you hear stories like this of your mom bosses who have the prevailing relatives who look at what they're doing, don't think it's really work and try and get them to quote unquote, be more flexible and giving at the oh, expense absolutely. of their venture. And, yeah. and, and I don't think it comes from, it, it, it comes externally and, Technically, I'm just generalizing here. Women, and especially women in Asia, we tend to take on a lot of things that we felt like is our responsibility. Everything ah, so, yeah, so now we're, yeah, so now we're dealing with cultural mores, which are not the same yes. around the world. Yeah. So let's let's yes. add this layer too, that depending on who you're speaking with, they may have a whole different culture about this. I know exactly what you're talking about when you say that, but go on. Yeah, exactly. So it's not because other people impose that on them. It's just more of like, ah, since I'm at home, even though, yes, I'm still working two to three hours or whichever hours that they're working, they are still the, how to say, the, the load bearer of whatever it is that's home domestic base, right? Um, right. Um, laundry, cooking, food, kids, um, kids' schedule, um, preparing the kids for school. So I have 
moms who wake up at four in the morning to prepare lunch boxes for their kids to go to school and then mark their homework and then prepare stuff for the kids alongside working or building businesses. And they stay up till 1 a.m. midnight and then they yeah. wake up again at 4 a.m. And that's how much sleep they get each day. Yeah. And most of them gladly do it because they felt like that's what they're supposed to do. So up until they, you know, up to a point where they just burn out or just break down and just tell themselves, oh, I can't do this anymore. Only until then they start seeking help and realize that that could not go on, right? Because, right. because yeah, culturally and up till, I don't know, maybe like 10 years ago, still a lot of women were still predominantly the the one taking care of home and then the men work outside. But as you mentioned, right? I mean, these days we have a lot of dual income family, but still, even though sometimes the wife may even earn more than the husband, but she would still be responsible for everything at home. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, and you, and you, see some, you see some of those inspirational videos on Facebook reels and things like that, uh, where the guy has his buddy over and uh, he's prepared dinner and the wife comes home wearing her business suit or what have you. And then the, <laughs> and then the, and then the guy gets on his buddy, like, um, what, what, what kind of man are you? You're cooking. And all she does is come home and eat. Like what kind of, what kind of lazy broad is she? And I, and I only repeat that language because that's what they say in those, in those yeah, reels. Yeah, 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 it's like, yeah. no, no, it's like, so yes. so again, it comes down to cultural expectations where, well, the man's supposed to be out there going to a job, bringing home, bring home the bacon. And the wife is supposed to, well, she has a job. That's great. But she's supposed to be in ho- home in time to repair the dinner. But meanwhile, this man has said, my my wife is on her career path. I'm cl- I'm helping her clear that trail so she can go all in, which means I'll cook her dinner. So when she comes home, it's in front of her. Absolutely. But it's still rare. It's still very, very rare in Singapore or Malaysia or any parts of Asia. Well, and and, and the fact and the fact that, that what I just said gets so much currency here in the United States uh, tells us mm-hmm. it's pretty alive and well here too. So mm-hmm. I think one of the points we're coming to with this is it's easy to uh, come up with some outline of the entrepreneurial mindset and how you handle the distractions, the family members and friends who don't understand, but mm-hmm. it goes beyond that uh, yeah. because there, there can be cultural things um, and even individual family patterns, just depending on who you're speaking with. Yeah. And we have to draw the boundary for ourselves. Yeah. Like and me- I think we are conditioned that way because we grew up seeing our parents act that way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, uh, like, me, like me personally. Like, I'm, I, there. My currently, my businesses don't have a first lady, but uh, maybe three years from now, somebody's listening to this, and at that point, I will have found one. Hey, hey, you know what? If she, uh, if she's on some career path and she's making four times the amount of money I do, uh, hey. Uh, I'll, I'll work. I'll work this business uh, when she's not home, and uh, I'll make sure she has a gourmet meal waiting for her. That's no problem. <laughs> but why four times? What if it's just double? What if it's six times? More money. <laughs> right. Okay. I. 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 I don't. I don't want to hear this stuff about uh, about uh, pride and uh, and uh, mm-hmm. the feelings of inferiority because somebody makes more money than you. It's like give me more money. Mm. Give her more money. Yes. <laughs> 
yeah there, there's a there's there's a there's a meme about, about this uh where apparently somebody posted an article on twitter and there was something about how um how uh, how high earning women were having challenges finding good men and it was interfering with their relationships and uh these women were actually like in some cases deliberately holding themselves back so they could attract a good man and this <laughs> woman and 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 the meme is that a woman replied to it says i got no problem give me more money yep yeah exactly. yep. <laughs> yeah so uh so what i want to do now is i want to pivot this a little bit uh you know you went through a process of finding your niche and finding a target market. So what would you tell us in terms of figuring out that out what that is? Because uh, you also mentioned that you can enter any business and say, well, there's already a lot of competition. There. There's already a lot of people doing this. What makes me any different? Um, I have thoughts on that too, but I want to hear yours. I think I didn't really find my niche. It's more of like the niche found me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the other way around. But of course, there's always this um, imposter syndrome about who am I to be doing this? There's so many great business owners or business builders out there who could be teaching people about business. And I think it's a lot of learning, reading, talking to myself as well, that I could do this. And I am someone who isn't afraid of failure. I would give yeah. everything a try. And if it doesn't work out, it's fine, right? Um, because personally, this, this is my story. I grew up very poor. Uh-huh. And um, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, very talented, um, very gifted. She um, didn't go to school, but, um, like Chinese school, but she could read and write Chinese. Um, so she got married really young. And um, her marriage didn't end, you know, end, end up well, but she was stuck because she because she was reading on my dad financially, 100%. She was a stay-at-home mom. And she had always told us about her ambition, about, you know, just probably wait a few more years until we're slightly older, then she'll go after her goals of starting her own business. But she passed away when she was 35 and I was 13. Yeah. So knowing that life is short and never put, your own future or happiness in someone else's hand. So I've always had this mentality that I'm just going to do whatever I want to do and not wait. So when I had the idea to just want to start a blog, I went and did a blog. And then that had gotten me to figure out how do I make money from a blog? And well, the answer is you don't make a lot of money from blogs. Well, not that, my that, blog is, anyway. that is a, that, that is a case. You can, you can use a blog to write a book and that'll make you money. But uh, I mean, yep. and let, and let, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean some blogs like influencer blogs where you um, do advertisement and sponsorships, but that also depends on um, audience building, which is uh, not for the weak willed. Yeah, I was doing that. But then what advertisers see me is just a commodity. So if I want to raise my price, they'll be like, hey, there's a ton of more mommy bloggers out there. Why you? So I had to go and figure out what can I do with this knowledge? But once the funny thing is once I started that maternity concierge business, now I'm no longer another mommy blogger. I'm an expert. So now the brands are willing to pay me more to write any article or endorsement for the product. 
And right. And so that, you know, uh, you, you know, the story I too, uh, I told the story earlier on how I, I pivoted into business coaching. And that as well is because my audience were asking me for it. Um, so hang on, what was I going to say? <laughs> what was the question? I think I kind of like lost my chain of thought. Well, ba basically, we we're looking at is how to find your niche. Now, you mentioned that your yes, niche sort yeah. of found it you. Sort of found me. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Mm. Right. And, uh, and, you know, you had a very powerful story to tell when, uh, and part of the reason when I do these episodes is I, as I only cover the credential, uh, you know, all of our guests, guests give us bios. Um, uh, mm. when you, yeah, when, uh, you or your agent filled out our application, uh, they paste, they copy pasted probably something from your website that listed your whole story and what have you. But you remembered, I only read, I only read the credentialization part and had you do the rest. And I don't tell our guests in advance that that's how I'm going to approach it. Hey, if they go ahead and listen to some episodes in advance, and they figure it out. That's all well and good. But I do that for a reason, because I want to highlight that everybody has a story. Everybody has a message and everybody has a value that they bring. And when they say it in their own words, it actually accentuates their own personal brand. And I when I want to help with that in some way. Mm. Yep. Yeah. So there are a lot of, I mean, a lot. And I know several personally of women who became mothers and could not go to the office anymore. So it was imperative on them to start a business they could do out of their home or do part time without having to be tethered to a schedule. That's not a new story. What makes your story unique is that it's your story and it's your set of learnings and experiences that can be told around the campfire as a way of helping others get there faster. Mm. That's where the value is. Like, uh, like, yeah, like, uh, like, for example, um, uh, Chuck Norris, uh, who created his own brand of martial arts. It's there's really nothing new about it. It's essentially the schools of martial arts he himself had studied when he practiced and taught it. And he just took some of the best elements of what he already knew. And mm -hmm. uh, one technique that he developed, it might be the roundhouse, I'm not sure, but one technique developed and just put it together and said, this is. This is what I know about martial arts and put a name on it. Uh, mm. There's really nothing new about it at all. Uh, anybody who's familiar with different schools of martial arts could go through it and very quickly figure out where he came up with it. But what makes it special is that Chuck Norris came up with it. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and, you know, Chuck Norris, when he was a kid, he had a paper route and there were no survivors. And uh, right there, we probably saw a cultural difference. You probably don't know what I'm referring to. No, I do. I do. I do know who Chuck Norris is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're familiar yeah. with the Chuck Norris facts? Not there really. Have been, there, have been, there have been books written about this, about Chuck Norris facts. Uh, one, yeah, one of which is he doesn't do push-ups. He pushes the earth down. Um, another, <laughs> and, and another is that he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't tell you what time it is. He decides what time it is. Uh, wow. Then, there, then there's the one where uh, where Superman wears uh, Chuck Norris pajamas. Then there's the ones uh, where goblins hide under the bed, uh, afraid of Chuck Norris. And uh, <laughs> then there's the one I mentioned when he was a kid, he had a paper route, and there were no survivors. Uh, right. Which, which also, which also goes along with the one that uh, when he was born, his um, when he was born, 
uh, the pediatrician uh, d- delivered him, and they gave him a little smack on the bottom, like they, you know, they did in the old days, uh, just to <laughs> make the baby well to prove that the yeah. baby was alive. And uh, that happened 83 years ago. And uh, oh, and in recent news, uh, it's been reported that uh, that Chuck Norris's gynecologist is slowly emerging from an 83 year coma. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh so what you know what I wanted to you know bring up about this whole thing about finding your niche mm-hmm. is you know yeah. there is there is a model around doing product launches and I've worked yeah. with um I've worked with several of them. I've worked with product launch formula, I've worked with the live launch method and uh and and several others and they have a very valuable place in the development of business. But mm-hmm. they're often not the first step. And here to me is the reason why, because before you can really succeed in launching something and making a whole lot of money with it and mm-hmm. having it be the type of business that you'll be driven to grow, you've got to decide you want to be in that business in the first place. And being able to side hustle, being able to start businesses from home uh, gives you the opportunity to experiment with niches or let the niches find you. It's why I, t- it's why I also tell folks, I mean, you're a podcaster just as I am, and uh and I imagine that uh, you don't have to give me any details, but over the years, you've probably uh, turned some of your own guests into clients. Yep. Have you also have you also uh, ended up uh, getting a few clients that you weren't expecting, maybe doing some things you weren't expecting to do? Yeah, absolutely. And uh-huh. Yep. I, I think over the years with, with, with the blog, not just the podcast, right? The blog, the podcast, the, the website itself, or even my social media account, there are a lot of incoming interests yeah so i think that's that's what you're trying to say right like the power of personal branding yes like while we think that oh uh, who am i to be doing this or who am i to be doing this how 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 can i differentiate myself from other competitors sometimes people have already whether you like it or not you already have a personal brand people already see you as differently so would you want to just leave that up to chance or you determine what your personal brand is right so for me is I have my personal brand has certainly morphed over the years when I first started hey mommy blogger stay-at-home mom and then ah mom building this business and then because of that business I published a book and then I became an author and then I get um I get uh, invited and paid to speak at industry events so the 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 title speaker came along and so i would probably really enjoy currently and i would introduce myself as a business mentor to women entrepreneurs to help them get more rich and get recurring profits and i think while i do help women getting from zero idea to their first hundred thousand dollars a lot of them, a lot of my success stories come from those who have started and then now they're stuck. What else? What else can I do? Because getting business started today is really easy. Yeah, it's it is. What, yeah, it's, it's what do you do next, right? It's very much like then that question that you were asking, how do they differentiate themselves from their competition? What is the unique IP that they have um, that make their products or services that's different from the others, very much like Chuck Norris, uh, sorry, Chuck Norris 
it's um, okay. Text, right? Yeah. Um, his, his methodology of how he does certain things, which is probably the same as everyone else. But as soon as you name it something, it becomes your own IP. And that's something that I find most entrepreneurs doesn't do. They just think that, oh, start a business is all about just, just most of them, what, what, what ended up happening is that a lot of entrepreneurs or business owners, they become self-employed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand what you, I definitely understand what you mean by that. See, and, uh, you know, this show that we're on right now, the business creators radio show, there was about a three year period in my life where I didn't know what business I wanted to be in. So mm -hmm. I didn't have a website. I didn't have really anything else promoting. I was actually kind of generally frustrated with the idea of entrepreneurship. And when I looked into the future, all I saw was a blank screen. Uh, now, during that time, I had two things going for me. Number one, uh, I had a, a handful of clients, all of whom actually are still with me to this day. They've been my clients since the very beginning and have uh, mutated through all of my ventures over the years. It's just funny how that works. And uh, I also had this show where it's a weekly show and I have a guest every week. That's 52 new conversations, 52 new friendships, 52 new possible relationships. And I had the opportunity to get involved in some projects that, uh, uh, that you know, I wasn't sure if I wanted to make a business out of this, but I looked at it and I thought, I can do this very well. And it sounds like it'll be fun. And what's cool about this is I'm going to have the opportunity to try it out. And then decide if I really want to do it going forward. So there are, during that interregnum, there are a number of projects and uh, client relationships we had that we don't really discuss because they turned out to be one-offs. Uh, I mean, they went well, but I just decided I didn't want to go in those directions. Yep, yep, it happens. But as long as you put yourself out there, right? right. You it's, are yeah, open for all these opportunities yep. and it comes yep. to you. Yep. And it was, it was, and uh, what really came down to was the personal brand, such as it is. Um, the mm -hmm. feeling of working, the feeling of working with a certain human being who has certain characteristics you resonate with. And, uh, and to me, regardless of what bullet points your, your program has, like if I were to go to the Mom Boss Academy, I could, um, and actually I've been to that website, which we're going to give our listeners in a minute so they can check it out. Uh, I can look at it. I can go to the about page. I can look at the programs page. I can look at um, uh, the, the training you offer, its blog, uh, everything else. I can see the ways that Mom Boss Academy could help a mom. And I could see, wow, this checks off all the bullet points, but I don't know about Michelle. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. And then there are some folks who may look at this and say, you know what, this isn't quite what I'm looking for, but I really like Michelle. I want to work with her. Yep, yep, yep. There, there are a lot of people who are like, I want to work with you, but I look at the program and I'm not sure which one suits me. Just tell me which one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when it comes down to it, that's the whole thing. And with some of our clients in our Launch Your Podcast Fast program, one of the hurdles that we uh, get over is that same thing of, why would I do a podcast? I have nothing new to say. I have nothing new to contribute. Well, what you have to contribute is yourself. Yeah. And uh, and our model for podcast creation is geared toward the experimental entrepreneur, meaning the person who wants to enter a new market where they have not played up until now that interests them and also have the opportunity to play in a number of different things. And when they want to take that approach, then we focus on the personal brand side of it. 
So uh, we have one that's under development where uh, we have somebody who's in seven different businesses. So naturally, the show is about the person's individual personality, and it'll have seven different categories. You get the idea. But it's the but the central nexus of attraction is the person. Is the person, yes. Yeah. Regardless of what you do, people buy you. Great. So one final question before I uh, show our listeners where they can find you. Um, how do you get people to a place where they get to know you and can make that decision that your personal brand resonates with them? I spend most of my time on Instagram. Okay. I've been building that, that what do you call that, that platform a lot. And on Instagram specifically, there is different type of posts that you do that that get people to know you, right? So first of all, like you have Instagram Reels. So Instagram Reels get shown to a lot of people who doesn't even follow you. So Reels is really good for you to reach new audience. But when it reaches new audience and if your, your content is resonating with them or is entertaining or is funny, or it doesn't even have to be about what you do. It, yeah. it just have to connect to that person. And uh -huh. naturally, if they, if they see you enough, they'll check you out on your bio, your, your main page of your Instagram. Uh -huh. And if that is optimized well enough, they probably go, hmm, okay, this person is interesting to me. I decide to follow that this person. So only then that maybe they check out my story. So story is really, I feel like where people see my day-to-day -day life, right? I... I teach what I live out what I preach. So yeah. if I say, if I tell you, you don't need to spend so much time in your business, you can see that I really don't spend that much time on my business. You can see me out and about with my kids. And if that resonates with you, and I get a lot of people coming to me and say, you know why I sign up with you as opposed to another business coach or someone who's far more um, bigger and have more success stories is because I follow you. And I see your your day-to-day -day life. I like who you are. I like how you joke with your kids. And sometimes you'll be wondering, like people are going, oh, if you want me to be on social media, I don't know what to say. I don't know who am I. I don't know what value, what I should be teaching. It's not about just teaching, teaching, teaching. It's not just about giving value, value, value. People don't go on social media to be preached at. No, I, 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 I certainly don't. Um, depending on the social media platform, um, uh, I'm not going to say which is which, but there's one <laughs> where I go for uh, business networking. Yeah. Um, there's, an there's another where I go to get into deep intellectual discourse on, uh, on pop culture subjects. And then there's yeah. another one where I go just to own trolls and make them cry. <laughs> and, yeah, I've, right, and, and, so and, and, and the thing is, I've gotten business. I've gotten paying clients with all three of those approaches, three different yep. platforms that um, I don't link one. To, I don't link one to the other. And your hmm. experience with me is going to be radically different on each one of those. Oh, okay. almost like almost like you're dealing with a different person. But uh, it's because I put the time in to study uh, what approach can be ah. most effective for that platform. And who is already there that I'm most likely to attract so that mm -hmm. uh, just like all personalities are multifaceted and we're different yep. things at different times while within the um, range of our integrity and consistency, we can play that out on social media as well. It's like it's like when I went to Penn State, which is a very large college. And the reason I picked a large state university is because I wanted to go to a place 
um, where the university covered 12 square miles and had 40,000 students so that I could uh, I could play it being whoever I wanted and sometimes play it being several different people in the same day because I viewed the <laughs> university experience as seeing more of the universe. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 exactly. So you you get to decide which platforms is most you and that you can connect yeah. the best with your audience that you want to attract. Yeah, like for example, that Instagram thing is not going to work very well for me because I don't even allow my photograph to be taken outside of my official portfolio. Right, yeah. So uh, so there, there's, there's only so many pictures of me sitting on the steps wearing my fedora hat that are, uh, that are going to be able to go around. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> So this has been Maybe fantastic. You exploring, you never know. That's exactly. A whole exactly. new audience on Instagram. Yeah. So, uh, so for our listeners, uh, what I wanted you to first of all, for those of you who are new to us, because we get new people all the time, is understand what you've just experienced is the mastermind approach to podcasting. Uh, while Michelle did give us um, some very specific points she wanted us to cover, and we did get those all in. I didn't really take it as a form of a Q&A, even though this is one of those rare cases where I asked the question she gave me in order, but it didn't feel like that. So one of the things we love about the Business Creators Radio Show is we have the opportunity to invite you, the listener, to sit in as sort of like that third person on a private mastermind conversation. You saw how we uh, had ideas and inspirations and there was some of that, oh, I just thought of something that went back and forth. That is where you find your mastermind meetings and your aha moments that move you closer to your trajectory or at least your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. So I hope you certainly enjoyed this. Now, if something about Michelle resonates with you, and uh, I know it resonates with me, uh, almost makes me wish I was a mom, candidly, but <laughs> but uh, it's uh, the website is, there's two websites. One is momboss, M-O-M-B-O-S-S, dot academy a-c-a-d-e-m-y momboss.academy and this is where you're going to find the program for moms that helps them unleash your potential and shape that lasting legacy like we've been speaking about for um, our hour together and she also has her um, her blog branding and influence website which is at www.thechillmom t-h-e-c-h-i-l-l-m-o-m.com and if I remember correctly, isn't this kind of where it all started? Although it was originally on Blogspot. Yes, the show mom. That that that's the that's the branding that I went with. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, it uh, feels pretty good to me. And uh, just for kicks, I'll probably dig into a little bit more myself. I know you have a. <laughs> I know you have a, a book out, at least one anyway. Well, there's a few. There's the chill mom, how to go from anxious expected mother to relaxed confident mom, and then uh, actually, yeah, that might be the only just one. one. Yes, just one. I'm okay. working on the second one, but I'm yes, yeah, still coming. I I <laughs> hang under- on, hang on, hang on. I <laughs> understand that. We'll get you there. We'll get you there. All right. So with those two websites, check them out. They're in the notes if you're visiting us on our website. And with that, Michelle Hahn, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me again. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.